the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear friends. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts with the day's leading scientific and esoteric experts supporting the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring well-being of the whole being, the transformation of healthcare. As science delves more deeply into quantum physics and the energetic aspect of life, it's become increasingly clear that what was considered the sum and total of human beings, the physical, is but a fraction of the totality. Some speculate over 90% of our makeup is energetic and not physical at all. Yet our current health care is totally focused on the physical level. What impact does this gross oversight have on human health and healing? What will vitality and longevity look like when our energetic aspect, as well as the physical one, is addressed? What shift in consciousness will be required to embrace such a change? With us this hour to explore these mysteries is Dr. Anoop Kumar. Dr. Kumar is a member of the Homeo sapiens species. He generally walks upright. While training in ER, Anoop recognized an undiagnosed emergency. The more we're taught, the less we seem to know. He felt he would be abdicating his responsibility as a physician if he did not speak up about this. Anoop is the author of two books, Michelangelo's Medicine and Is This a Dream? 
Come visit Anoop at redefinehuman.com and anoopkumar.com. Say hello. I'm sure he'd like to meet you. Dr. Kumar, thank you for joining us on Mission Evolution. Hi, Golda. It's nice to be here. So how accurate is what's currently being taught about what humans are made of? Well, I, you know, in some sense, it's accurate, but it's incomplete. That's really the way I see it, right? What I'm seeing is that the way we describe the human being in medicine um, is a fraction of what the human being is. So the inaccuracy in it, it's really due to its incompletion. And by that, I mean that by the time we were in middle school, basically, if you're in the regular educational system, you learn that we're basically made up of tiny balls that we call atoms, and that these tiny balls are connected by sticks that we call molecular bonds. And you might remember actually playing with these models. I remember playing with these models and connecting the balls with the sticks and, oh, okay, this is what the body is made of. And what's wild is that what we learn in middle school is still what we learn in medical school, meaning there's no update to that model through from sixth grade to 10th grade to college to postgrad to medical school. It's still balls and sticks, right? So what differentiates medical school is that we learn about the different, different levels of complexity and how those balls and sticks can be rearranged. Um, and I think that is an incomplete picture because ultimately physics went on decades ago to recognize that these balls and sticks are fundamentally something um, that now physicists agree are called fields. And what those actually are, how they relate to the body, that's still up for grabs. But we know for sure that we've gone way beyond balls and sticks decades ago. But medical science has not gone beyond that because we haven't yet explored how to integrate and assimilate that information into our understanding of the human body. Mm. Um, do you mind telling us what kind of a physician you are? I'm an emergency physician, so I work in the emergency department. Oh, that keeps you busy, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I actually, I remember this time in residency when it was a crazy night when all of these different traumas were coming in and people with heart attacks and life-threatening infections and all this was happening. And I think seeing the emergent aspect of illness, like seeing everything hit hard, hit fast and hit one after the other, that really, for me, it was like an... an a curve, an accelerating curve, where I had to come to terms with the entire healthcare system very quickly, as opposed to seeing relatively well people over and over again. So seeing the acute sickness over and over and over, I think led me quickly to say, hey, wait a second, I'm not exactly sure that we know what health is in the system. So was that intensity how you started to recognize uh, or realize the oversight that we are making here? I think so. And especially that's what led me to start speaking about it and to start and to not hold it in anymore. I had some of these questions and been exploring these things for most of my life, really. Since since elementary and middle school, I used to feel that the, the educational system was pretty incomplete. I never felt like it was giving me, it, was, it wasn't really edifying, you know? It's like when you eat a good meal, you, you feel satisfied and satiated, and that was never there. It always felt like I was chewing on breadcrumbs. Um, but I mostly kept that to myself, and I was just doing my own kind of inner exploration. But by the time I got to medical school, and then especially in residency training where I was focusing on emergency medicine, um, when I saw how all of those things tied to health, I just it kind of reached that threshold where it spilled over, and I couldn't kind of contain it anymore. And that's when I started speaking and writing. So how does the difference between the ball and stick um, uh, concept and fields of atoms, um, how does that impact healthcare? Well, the essential question in healthcare is how do we, to me, is how do we account for the whole human being? How do we make sure we have the most complete representation of the human being in the way we think about diagnoses, in the way we think about treatments, right? Because obviously, if we have an incomplete model, we'll have incomplete diagnoses and treatments. So, what happens is, as individuals, as human beings, all of us relate to each other through intuition, right? We're not conceptualizing 
um, what is happening or who you are or what this conversation is. You and I right now are having a conversation and it's just our minds are meeting and we're just kind of flowing back and forth. There's no need for me to model you or think about you in a particular way. But in medicine, when we're talking about diagnoses and treatments, we need models, right? Because what we want to do is establish systems. We want ways of doing things. We want consistency. We want um, the greatest accuracy possible. So we need models. We need to set up models to do that. Now, the problem is the model that we have set up is mechanistic, right? It's it's ball and stick medicine. That's that's the model. And we know scientifically it's an outdated model because physics has gone long beyond that. But on an intuitional level, meaning when I as a physician am seeing a patient, it's really two people meeting. I happen to have a particular training in emergency medicine. The person happens to be in a particular position in their life where they're dealing with something and they're coming to the ER, but we're relating to each other as people, right? So the question is, how do we integrate these two models, this intuitional way of interfacing with people and this model, this this uh, need to represent people in a particular way? So basically, our model has to be integrated with the way we naturally function. And that split is there right now, right? There's a there's a split in the human psyche if you're trained, and it's not just medicine, it's pretty much the educational system. If you're trained in this educational system, there is a split that happens in the human psyche where we think about people in a particular way. When we think about their bodies or their minds in a particular way that's mechanistic, that's ball and stick, and yet we relate to them on a personal level. And you see this in medicine because in residency, we're taught about the importance of developing rapport, for example, right? And that's stressed over and over. It's important to, de- to develop rapport, to relate to the patient, obviously. And we have to stress that separately because it's not really natural in our educational system because that's a mechanistic model. So I think when we look at physics now, coming back to your question, and we see how physics has gone beyond I don't know if we can say it's gone beyond mechanistic, but it's certainly gone way beyond ball and stick medicine, where what we thought was a discrete, individual, separate atom and made up of discrete individual particles, like electrons, for example, we're seeing that those are actually aspects of something greater called fields. And by greater, I mean it's not localized in one particular place. So we have this fundamental discrepancy where we're seeing that discrete things seem to be aspects of non-discrete spread out things. And now when you look at the human body, we start to wonder what are the implications of that for seeing the human body as composed of different particular discrete aspects. And I think this offers a way to think about how philosophy and spirituality and science can come together so that we can see the human body scientifically as not only made up of a bunch of separate parts. Well, it seems to me like uh, what you're talking about goes beyond whole health or even integrative medicine, doesn't it? It does, really. You know, integrative medicine is basically is one of the leading edges in healthcare, in traditional healthcare. And I say traditional healthcare because traditional healthcare is basically based on this mechanistic model. Integrative medicine is, is trying to lead that model saying, hey, there's something more to this. You know, the mind is important. Maybe there's an energetic aspect to the body. How can we kind of combine this with traditional healthcare to, to provide better care for people? However, what I see lacking in integrative medicine and where it doesn't go far enough is the real shift that has to happen for integrative medicine to take off even more than it has, it already is, but to really go to the next level is there has to be an understanding that our fundamental appreciation of the relationship between matter and consciousness is different from that which is assumed in our current society, right? Especially the way it's interpreted through science. So the traditional interpretation, as you know, is that brain produces consciousness, right? Almost as if it secretes it somehow, or at some level of organization, consciousness appears as a result of, of neuronal organization or brain organization. Whereas we're, going I think to, there's- we're going to have to get into this large topic of the brain on yeah. the other side of a commercial break. <laughs> okay, sure. It, it is time for a commercial break, Dr. Kumar and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. All right. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Path Home Shamanic Art School proudly presents the Gathering of Shaman 2019 Fall Retreat, Manifestation Samhain. Join me, Certified Shamanic Instructor Gwilda Wiecka, in the magnificent Colorado Mountains this November 2nd and 3rd for a life-changing event. Participate in unique teachings and ceremonies that will put the power and magic of shamanic manifestation into your hands. Sit in circle with like-minded individuals, sharing group energy and the power it generates. Classes will be held in a facility next to the beautiful, majestic Arkansas River, further empowering the experience. Space is limited, so reserve your spot today. For more information, visit findyourpathhome.com or email touchin at findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. MissionEvolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Anoop Kumar. His website, AnoopKumar.com. Dr. Anoop, we were just starting to get into some really, we were going down several rabbit holes at once. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm just trying to decide which direction to go. I think I'd like to go back into the educational system and this split between our mechanistic view and our intuitive one. I, I'd like you to go into that a little deeper. That is, that's fascinating. All right. Let's see how we can describe this. You know, when we, so I'm looking outside my window right now and I see a tree, right? And so, when I see this tree, it's, it's such a simple experience, such a simple and straightforward experience that there's no need for me to model it in any particular way or think about it in a particular way. If I simply look at it as a perceptual experience, I see the tree out there. Now I can start describing it. It's got a trunk and that I'm, I'm using concepts to separate the trunk from the branches and then the branches from the leaves. And then I can say, well, the roots delve beneath the ground and it goes this many meters into the ground and then it sucks up this and now all of a sudden I've developed a story about this incredibly simple profound beautiful experience which is seeing this tree and so what I'm essentially saying is that how do we tell the best most complete stories about the experiences we have and and that's what our models of the human being are. They're stories, right? We're telling stories that you can look at the human being as several organs that are put together. You can look at the human being as um, 
protons, neutrons, and electrons. You can sit, look at the human being as blood and bones. You can look at the human being as an information field. There's so many ways to look at the human being. And what are we doing? We're really, these are really like chapters one, chapter five, chapter nine. These are different chapters in the book of the human being that describes the human being, their stories. So how do we tell the stories that give us the most information possible about the experiences we're having? Because I think what we often forget is that anything we describe or define or research in science is first based in our perception. It's first based in our perception. So when, when the apple fell on Newton's head and he started wondering, you know, why did this darn thing fall down? And, you know, let me look into And how come if this falls, the moon doesn't fall out of the sky, right? The moon seems to be hanging up there like a picture, but the apple fell. Why is that? And he started inquiring and eventually developed the laws of gravity. Now, where did all that come from? The law of gravity and the, I think it's 9.8 meters per second squared is the acceleration of gravity. Where do all these concepts come from? It's from the apple falling on his head. Meaning that simple perception of the apple falling, the simple perception of the moon hanging there in the sky is what got described in many ways, which led to hypotheses, which led to experiments from which conclusions were derived, and finally came up with the law of gravity. So what I'm saying is, in this case, the law of gravity is analogous to the way we describe the human being. And that's all based in how we simply perceive ourselves and how we okay. simply perceive each other. Can we use our intuition to find the broken stories? Because it seems like some of the stories are broken, or at least incomplete. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think, I think we can only use our intuition to find the incompleteness of these stories. Let's not forget that even thoughts and concepts, and even the stories that we tell are, like we just talked about, modifications of our intuition. They live in our, intu they live in our direct experience. And only if I say, for example, there's a tree out there and the tree is horizontal and blue, nobody will accept that because it's not their experience. Their experience is the tree is vertical and it's brownish, right? So even the things that we call scientifically verified, the concepts that we have must be validated by our experience in some way, right? So like, for example, when we see the sunset, we know that the sun is not actually setting, but we know that the earth is moving in a particular way. And because we can explain that, and because we can explain our perception, we all accept it. So we have to, our, all of our concepts have to be validated by the experiences that we have. And yet on the other side, the experiences we have are based on our interpretation of what's going on, right? Yes, it's a, it's a feedback loop. Ultimately, we're, what we're doing is we're kind of dividing up our experience into concepts, and we're divi dividing it into, let's say, simple perceptual experience. But in fact, even that, even this kind of cause-effect relationship ultimately, I think, is a, is a limited frame. But we have to start somewhere. So I think we can start by saying, hmm, these are our experiences. This is, this is what we know. This is what we're, what we're having, experiencing directly. Do our concepts meet up with that? If not, let's not say the concepts are wrong, but let's find out where they're incomplete and how we can complete those experiences. And so I you're, think you're talking about an evolution of consciousness, really, aren't you? Yes, I'm talking about a shift in how we perceive, our, perceive ourselves and we perceive the world. Yes, that's ultimately an evolution in consciousness. And by the way, I think that's an important point because what that says to me immediately is how are we using this word consciousness? I think that's a huge question in our society. You know, now consciousness is such a popular topic. We're seeing so many neuroscientists investigating consciousness. We're seeing centers for mind, brain, and consciousness developed all around the world. And this wasn't the case several decades ago, right? This is right. I mean, very they're talking about lately. Heart, heart intelligence. A lot heart of the consciousness might actually have to do with the heart. Exactly. It's, it's really expanding, isn't it? Exactly. What, what, do you, what do you think is pushing this trend? Well, I think it's people have come to a certain point where I think we're, I know for me personally, we get fed up with the explanations that we're given. And when they don't match with our experiences or when they are limiting our experiences and describing only fractions of what we experience, then I think the nature of the human being is to look for a more complete description. 
And for me, I think that really lies in how we understand the mind and how we understand what consciousness is. These are two very powerful words that I think live at the boundary of what quantum physics is talking about, of what spirituality says, and of the direction that healthcare is moving in through integrative medicine. It seems like spirit and uh, um, and science are on a collision course to the truth, right? Right. And again, this spirit and science, it's really the frame that we put on the way we experience the world, right? I, I don't think there's necessarily two such things. When we look at consciousness as something that is my personal thing that lives in my brain, then I have a particular experience. When consciousness may be something within which the body is existing and the mind is existing, then there's another experience. When consciousness is that in which any experience can be experienced, whether from the individual perspective or the intersubjective perspective, then that is another experience. So again, these all the words we have throughout religion, spirituality, science, like let's for let's say for example, soul, energy, body, information, boundary, quantum, all of these simply describe a mind's different way of labeling and categorizing experience. And I think if we can start from that understanding, we have the potential to see much deeper. So, it, you know, we, we've been locked in an experience. It's been described in a particular way. Mm-hmm. What at this time is allowing us to expand um, and, and experience more experience, if, if you get my drift? Yeah, well, I think I think it could be many things. Like I said, it could be the things happening in the world right now, like the the current events, the thresholds that we're reaching, which um, for the planet, for example, it can be the thresholds. Like I mentioned in healthcare, it can be individual uh, because of our education. I think you could point to many different things, but the point is. Everything is converging now, and our science itself is reaching a point where we're starting to see the limitations of seeing the world as a bunch of smaller parts that build up to form bigger parts. So we're really going to have to shift the way we view everything. Um, you know, what, what kind of, uh, what's it going to take for people to embrace that kind of a change? I think being fed up, honestly. It's going to take it's going to take saying that, you know what, I think we're capable of more than this, right? There's A person can reach a point where they think that, you know, this isn't the whole story. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more to being human than, than um, showing up in the world on this date and then disappearing at this date, and that's it, right? And that depends on the individual stories we're told. It depends on our individual experience. It depends on so many things. But at some point where we say there's got to be more than this, then we have two ways to go, that I'm going to find it, I'm going to look for this, I'm going to look into my own experience, or a person get, gives up hope. You know, it's, it's, it becomes very difficult at that point. And I think these conversations that we're having are showing that a lot of people have incredibly different experiences than the standard stories that, we're, that are popularly told. I think the more that we recognize that, and especially the key point being, the more we look into our own own experience, because our life is our laboratory, and everybody has the ability to look into their own life. And when any person starts to do this, I think walls start to come down and new experiences start showing up. Again, experiences, and do you do you think, and we're just about out of time in this segment, but do you think also the the larger populations and cultures starting to clash together with different viewpoints is starting to shake up the status quo? Yes, definitely. I think any time when you have different ideas meeting, um, then you're going to have a new way of thinking, right? We either have to accept one idea and reject one idea, or we have to integrate those ideas. But one way or the other, we have to deal with them. Right? I have I have this view of the world. I have this view of the world. Maybe there are three or four different views. How do we actually reconcile this instead of just sitting back and saying that you know none of this makes sense? I give up. How do we actually make sense of this? And again, that all starts with introspecting, looking into one's own experience. It goes back to inward turning, doesn't it? Well, it it's does. time for that promised pause. Dr. Kumar and I will return to our discussion shortly. So you stay right there. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading-edge information, supporting the path to enlightenment. We're speaking with Dr. Anup Kumar. His website, anupkumar.com. Dr. Kumar, let, how does this circle back around um, to medicine and to healthcare? If we're having to really shift our concept from a mechanistic one to a more unified field one, how, how do we bring about that change and what changes do you see happening as a result? So the key question here that I think we have to ask in healthcare, there are a few key questions. One is, uh, what is the human body made of? Which I think is possibly the most fundamental question we could ask in healthcare. What is the human body made of? As we talked about before, we have the ball and stick model now, but science has gone well beyond that for several decades. What are the implications of that? Another question, what is the mind? Right? We talk about the mind all the time. We diagnose mental health. We diagnose mental illness, right? What is the mind? We don't really have a working definition for it. We don't have a consensus definition for it. And by the way, where is this mind that we talk about so much, right? And if you dissect the brain, you won't find the mind. So where is this mind? So when we step back and look at these questions, what is a human body made of? What is the mind? Where is the mind? I think we start to see how little we know meaning the depth of our knowledge is not very deep. We know a lot in terms of breadth, but the depth of it is not great enough. And so I think by asking these questions, what we can see, and by introspecting, we can see is that there are different levels of mind or different levels of consciousness, depending on the word we can see, um, the word we use. And what would, I would like would to... Mind, would you mind telling me, stop for a second here, yeah. what, how would you define the difference between consciousness and mind, just for clarity? So th this is... This is when I talk to people. This is a common point of difference, depending on if you're a philosopher, neuroscientist, um, in the spiritual field. Depends on what you do. I think it. I think it can be either way, depending on how you, what's comfortable for you, what's familiar for the audience. The way I use it is in the Vedantic sense, in the tradition of Advaita Vedanta, and in that sense, consciousness is the fundamental reality, and any expression of that or modification of that is what I would call mind. So, for example, thought perception, desire, intuition, these are differentiations of consciousness or different ways consciousness may appear, including as the physical world, just like in a dream, the dreaming mind appears as 
that world within that dream. So that's the way I'm using it right now. But, you know, whichever way, I think as long as we understand each other, um, everybody defines it differently, and, and that's totally fine. Right, the yeah, that's why we, why we wanted to look at it is because yeah. it is such a complex issue. Yeah. Do we do, – does, does uh, consciousness require human beings? No, in my opinion, the way I'm using consciousness, it's what's fundamental, and it's what differentiates into different experience, including the experience of being a human being. So okay. a human being is an aspect of consciousness. However, there's also human consciousness, which is the experience of being, being human. And so there is a subset of consciousness, which is obviously human consciousness, but that is not the most fundamental consciousness. So consciousness, as you're speaking of it, is a bit of a continuum. What would you mean by that? Well, there's human consciousness, and there's humankind consciousness, and then there's global consciousness, so it's a continuum. Yes, yes. There are different levels and stages of that, surely. Okay, that helps. So, so when I was going go back to healthcare, I think one of the fundamental questions we have to ask is, what is this mind that we are dealing with? And I think that should lead us to recognize that they are possibly different levels of mind, that this thing that I call my mind, my desires, my thoughts, my perceptions, is just a subset of a greater mind. And I think that is possible for people to experience. I think that has been said throughout history. Uh, there's a philosophy of that called idealism. Um, and I think when we start to investigate this, we will see that the boundary of the mind around the individual is a flexible boundary. Um, it's a fickle boundary because we shift that sense of personal identity all the time. For example, when we go into a dream character, the sense of identity shifts. When we sleep, the sense of personal identity disappears. So this boundary around the personal mind is flexible. And I think when we start to recognize that, then one of the possibilities that arises is that what we call the human body is actually an experience within the mind, within a broader mind, which I call the second mind. And if we investigate this, right, this is basically a framework to understand mind-body medicine, integrative medicine, et cetera. But if we investigate this, then it would be possible to heal the body using the mind primarily. However, the key understanding there is that mind is not just my personal mind, but there has to be some kind of experience of going beyond the personal mind within which the body exists, and then seeing that, oh, there are different mechanisms of play at play here through which this, what we call this physical structure of the body can be accessed. And that's where we get to answering your question, where once we do that, really the door is open in terms of what is possible in healthcare. It's just, it's just fascinating because, you know, what we're talking about here, again, my, 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 my mind is going down mm -hmm. all sorts of rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. So if we are able to ex, uh, expand our personal mind to the greater mind, mm -hmm. then that would dictate we get larger amounts of information. Yes. If the, gr the greater mind is still restricted by the group mind and the group mind believes in a particular illness, is it not supporting that illness? Yes, surely it is. And so, but you know, even what you described, to get to the point where we collectively recognize what you described, which is that my sense of identity and my sense of uh, personal location, my personal mind, that can be played with or shifted to experience different levels of identity and access different levels of information. That's a powerful place to be in. Just that, even if we're saying, then we recognize, oh, but you know, this as a group is limiting us or these particular ideas might be limiting us. How can we incorporate these? How can we not reject them? How can we make them part of a more complete picture? All of these questions then become available to us, really. And, and that's what it's about. It's, to me, it's more, than, it's more than one person or two people or a group of people understanding something and experiencing something. But how can we bring this to the population at large? How can we get to a certain critical mass? And just what you described in recognizing different levels of mind, I think, would be a powerful shift if science and healthcare in general came to a position where it said, you know what, this is possible. It's, it's just mind-boggling how, how um, expansive things could be and how we – isn't the first step, though, really accepting the fact that we are creating our reality and exploring how are we creating it and how can we change that? How can we wield that? 
Yes, this we are creating our reality. I think has to be understood on many levels. Certainly, on a personal level, I am creating my reality in the sense that, for example, I'm having a conversation with you, and and you and I chose to have a conversation. So we're creating at that level, but also this this word I, right? That I am creating my reality. For example, this this I has different levels to it and has an entire range of experience, as we just talked about. There's the individual I, there's a broader I, and there there's an entire range to it. So I think to really understand the statement and bring it to life that the essence of identity really has to be appreciated. It's not that I as an in individual is creating the reality, the entire reality, but I, the individual itself is a creation. It's an experience of a deeper I, and that itself is an experience of a deeper, broader I. And at some point we're not individuals anymore. We're groups. And at some point we're not groups. We're even wider communities and so on and so forth until we go outside the possibility of just being human biological creatures and something more subtle and something more powerful. So at that level, at the deepest levels, yes, we are creating the reality. However, that we is not the we that is commonly understood. That is a we that is that is beyond the individual identities. And I think understanding this essence of identity and playing with the scale of identity, which by the way is why psychedelics have become so popular and why there's a lot of research now that's starting up into psychedelics because we are realizing that when we take certain substances, it can do things to our sense of identity. Now, we all experience this every day in dreams, for example, but that is all teaching us that there's much more to this boundary. There's more, much, much more to this sense of me and you and I, and through accessing that, indeed, we can understand what it means to say that we create our reality. So what steps are we going to need to take to bring about this revolution into, into, the, heal, into the healthcare system? Talk about it, quite simply talk about it. This conversation, having these conversations with the public in general and having these conversations with physicians, I think that's the big thing, right? It's The question is, how can we open people's minds to this possibility? That's really the, that's really the idea here. How do we go beyond the common stories? Well, we tell a better story in a non-threatening way, you know, that doesn't reject other people's experiences, but rather integrates them and brings them into a greater fold. And so I think that requires telling better stories, which is what I'm trying to do. And I think especially for physicians, because now there's a big thing happening among physicians, which is burnout and healthcare workers in general, including nurses. The physician suicide rate is twice that of the general population. Oh right. Why is that? Like, just think about that. These physicians are supposed to be healers and the healers themselves are committing suicide at twice the rate of the general population. That should be a huge wake up call to the general public that there is something wrong here. There's something that needs to be changed. And I think part of that is physicians saying that, hey, you know what? I think of course, the systems need to change. You know, having having only five minutes to see a patient or ten minutes to see a patient that requires thirty minutes or an hour, that that's demoralizing, right? Or having to do certain things because you think you have to meet certain numbers, that's demoralizing. So that's certainly part of the issue. But where does this all stem from? Again, this all stems from us being taught, and when I say us, I mean starting in elementary school, all of us being taught that human beings are essentially machines. Now, well, Omar, you and I are going to have to take another commercial break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dr. Kumara and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. 
Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. To suggest a topic or guest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Dr. Anup Kumar. His website, anupkumar.com. Dr. Kumar, I'm just fascinated that what, what it seems like there's um, a number of people um, that are kind of leading the edge of this consciousness movement, if you will, mm-hmm. to to recognize there's so much more to us than we've imagined. And I know from my personal experience, I was never satisfied. If, even mm-hmm. as a child, I was never satisfied with mm-hmm. what was being presented. I thought, maybe if I could just find that book, find that one that knew. Mm-hmm. But from what you're telling me, the knowledge is there. We just have to expand ourselves to find it. Yeah, I think it comes from a desire to, like I said, once we feel that, you know what, there's more than this, there's more than the stories we told, that we've been told, 
um, I think from that desire, the the answers start to come. And that starts with, it can be from books, it can be from other people, but really all of these things ultimately just point us back to ourselves and our own experience and how we feel and what we see and just what we might call the real basic building blocks of life, not just little parts like protons, neutrons, and electrons, but our perceptions, like our sense, our intuition. And I think as we delve deeper and deeper into that, the answers start coming. You know, there are many ancient traditions, and you mentioned one of them, mm-hmm. um, but such as shamanism even, that mm-hmm. dealt with the energetic aspect of life. Mm-hmm. How did we get away from them? Well, I think at some point when we tell stories and we tell them over and over and over, we have a tendency to get lost in stories, right? So no matter how good a model we have, for example, of the human being, right? Way beyond, let's say we assimilate the understanding of fields into medicine. Let's say we go even beyond that. Let's say we call it information. Let's say it's mind. Let's even say it's consciousness. Ultimately, even that is a story. And the more we start to believe the story and start to believe the framework as opposed to resting in our own experience of what's happening, right? And these aren't these aren't two different things, right? Our own experience is what's modifying as these frameworks and these concepts. But when we exclusively go to one aspect of our experience, which is these stories, and I say, oh, I know what it is. It's it, This is exactly what it is. It's this. Well, it's also that is the key, right? It, maybe it is that, but it, it's also that. And that itself is a modification of a more fundamental experience. And I think when we forget that fundamental aspect and we live in these modified thoughts and modified stories, then I think that's how we forget. So the stories become dogmatic. Exactly. Wow. Do you propose implementing some of the ancient energy healing practices into modern day treatments? Like what? Which ones would you suggest? Well, we've got Ayurveda, we have uh, shamanism, we, you know, yeah. there's, there's so many that we're dealing with the energetic aspect of the human being way back when. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all of these traditions exist in different parts of the world, and as long as people are deriving benefit from it, and they're not being harmed by it, then we should do it. I mean, the same thing in allopathy, right? In the medicine I practice, um, people derive benefit from it, but people are also sometimes harmed by it. So there are side effects to any treatment, any healing system. But as long as people are are choosing it and they're getting benefit, we absolutely should. And simultaneously, we should move towards understanding what exactly is happening, where are these different healing systems diverging or apparently diverging, and what is the underlying understanding that can incorporate and assimilate all of these? If we learn to manage the energetic aspect of our physical being, can we manage to stay in better balance and totally prevent illness from manifesting physically? Sure, of course. And even if we look at what we know now in terms of the influence of the mind on the body, and whenever I say that, I kind of chuckle within myself and have to clarify because here I'm using mind in the narrowest possible sense where it's like some tiny individual personal experience. Usually when we talk about mind-body, that's what we're talking about, mind-body medicine. It's the influence of the individual mind on the personal body. Now, even there, we know that when our stress levels are less, for example, when we're well-rested, when we're eating well, then the body's immune system is stronger and we're more resistant to disease. That already we know. So if we can start to expand, experience deeper aspects of ourself and we can bring that into balance as well, then of course our resilience and ability to withstand stressors in life, physical, mental, whatever they may be, will be greater. Do you see illnesses originating in the energetic field rather than the physical one? So if we take the model of idealism or Advaita Vedanta, or if we don't want to use those labels, if we just say consciousness is primary, again, not anybody's personal consciousness, but a fundamental field of consciousness in which physicality and mentality and all these categories of experiences are perceived. If we take that model, then certainly everything originates in that more fundamental field. Health originates there. Disease originates there. Intuition originates there. The experience of being an individual, a localized human being, um, originates there. So yes, by going beyond this personal identity, one accesses a greater field. So, and that field has become unkept over the ages because we never visited? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say that, you know, it's it's almost like 
um, if you have a home and you have a large rec room in your home and you just never go down to the rec room, and let's say your your heater is down there, right? And you have to you have to switch on your heater by going down there for some reason. You don't have a thermostat, whatever it might be, and you're always wondering why your home is cold. And you can't figure it out, and you're and you're trying to fix the heater upstairs. You're doing all these things, but you can never get the home warm. Why? Because we forgot that there's a rec room with a heater down there. As soon as you go there, as soon as we go beyond the level of identity that we're comfortable with, the living room, the the dining room, etc., we go down. Oh, there's a door here. Let me go down here. Whoa. There's a whole different thing here. And look, I can switch on the heat here. I can switch on the air conditioning, right? It's, it's similar to that. We forget aspects of what we are. They never go away. It's almost like a racehorse that has blinders on, right? It never sees its peripheral vision, never sees what's there. But the moment it takes those off, everything is accessible instantaneously. And yeah, I think whole, that's whole similarly what happened. Yeah. How do you see these concepts aiding the spiritual evolution of humankind? I think these concepts are exactly describing the growth of the human being right so and the maturity the maturing of the human being when we talk about adults in our society what we generally mean is people who have tall bodies that's generally our definition of an adult when the body gets tall let's say 18 years of of growth physical growth is an adult or 21 years whatever it might be but i think what we have to see is that, and I think most people recognize this, that you know, you can be 35 or 55 or 70 and you may not really be an adult fully, right? It requires a certain maturity, a certain vision, a certain understanding. Not everybody has to be the same, but I think it requires a depth of understanding. And similarly, what we're seeing now is that the way we see being grown up, I think when we talk about spiritual evolution, how spiritual evolution has been talked about for decades, I think we can today talk about it simply as growing up, right? We, we grow up, the body grows, yes, the mind grows, yes, but there's also a subtlety of vision and a subtlety of experience that is part of the process of simply being human. It's not special. It's, I don't think it has to be called spiritual. I don't think it has to be put in any particular terms, but we have to realize that what we have so far seen as the growth and maturation of the human being is really just a fraction of that, and there's more for us to learn and grow. Do you think, considering this energetic aspect or this growth um, of life, expand reality for everyone or just those that embrace the idea? Well, I think everybody is forced into situations in which we have to grow, right? If Again, if we, if we just for a second remove the label of spirituality and we just look at anybody's life, everybody encounters challenges in their life through which they grow. Right? The, the toddler, for example, falls repeatedly, sometimes gets bumps and bruises, and learns balance. How do I walk with balance? Right, A person can go through emotional crises over and over again until they realize, hey, you know what? I'm approaching this the same way every time I have to change. All of this is growth. And to me, there's no other growth other than this. You know, Physical, mental, however we want to label it, growth is growth, development is development, and we're, we encounter experiences that force us to grow or we suffer. We experience the same kind of suffering over and over and over. And I think that's the same when we come to how we see ourselves as individuals. You know, is this the only way to see myself? Is this all that I am? Is there more than this? And then we will come up to, we will have situations in life in which we will have to see things differently to start to move beyond that level of experience and the suffering that we might have at that level. Well, we have just a little bit of time left. What advice do you have for people interested in working with the energetic aspect of their humanness? Where do they start? So it really depends on where that person is. For some people, it will be by hearing stories about what is possible. So it might be listening to podcasts. It might be reading books. It might just looking at who you're drawn to, what they're saying, or whatever it might be, exposing yourself to that, YouTube videos. For some people... They've the stories don't do it anymore. Even nice stories, even expansive stories, even less restrictive stories. Ultimately, a story is a story, and so for those people, it's it's going to be direct introspection, and not that it's one or the other. It's going to be a mix for everyone, but the the mix is going to be different for everyone. So it might be introspection. It might just be sitting there. You don't have to cross your legs. It might be lying down. It might be standing up. And well, just, it might be just embracing experience, yes? Embracing experience, exactly. And whatever that looks like. It might be going for a walk. Well, it might be a conversation. 
As always, time has flown, and now we're out of it. Dr. Kumar, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Gwilda. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Anoop Kumar, the author of Michelangelo's Medicine and Is This a Dream? His website, anoopkumar.com. For our amazing past episode collection, visit our website, www.missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world.